Hello and welcome to another remote recording of the Law Society's Women Lawyers Division podcast. My name is Amadeep Kazria and I'm a solicitor at Morbano and a member of the Women Lawyers Division bringing you another podcast from our homes. The crisis continues to change how the profession operates, presenting many varied challenges to access to justice and the rule of law. Stay up to date by following us on social media and visiting our regularly updated online resources for the latest advice. A successful workplace must feature a diverse set of people empowered to solve their sector's most challenging problems. And this holds true in both good and bad times. In fact, when an unexpected crisis hits, diverse and effective teams are invaluable to the necessary problem-solving process. And against the backdrop of this new normal, it might be an instinct for businesses to focus on what they perceive to be the core business issues. But the truth is that more than nice to have, diversity is a must-have for all sectors and industries committed to progress. I'm joined today by my guests and some of the most driven and passionate people I know on the issue of diversity and inclusion. Dana Dennis-Smith, the CEO and founder of Obelisk Support and project founder of First 100 Years, and Christina Blacklaws, past president of the Law Society and who led the charge with the Law Society's Women in Leadership project. So stay tuned for them joining me next as we delve into this issue further. Hi, Dana, and hi, Christina. Thank you very much for joining me this evening on the Women Lawyers Division podcast. Uh, We're talking about a really important issue today, which is diversity and inclusion, but more importantly, what firms are doing and how we deal with it in the backdrop against the crisis that we're all currently in. If I could just start by asking both of you, why is it important to continue or start prioritising DNI in the current crisis? Well, hi, Amanda, and hi, lovely to to speak to you again, Dana. Really excited to be on this podcast. Um, It's Christina Blacklaws, and I um, just want to say that I think there there couldn't be a more important time for law firms and legal businesses to show that clear moral leadership here. I'm quite certain that that the businesses who thrive post-COVID are going to be the ones who are really values-driven. And, and I think that they will come out strongest. Um, in addition to that, I think there is, and we've had this evidence to uh, many years pre-COVID, an unarguable business case uh, around diversity and inclusion, the, the correlation with, with uh, profit, and um, perhaps most importantly, the ability to retract and, and uh, attract and retain great talent so uh, the, it's, it's really, it's always been important um, and even more so, I would say, coming out, as we hope we all will do in the not too distant future, from this crisis. I, mean, I would just add that the legal profession is a female profession um, and increasing numbers of diverse professions are coming through. Obviously, we're not yet, you know, parity at all levels um, and we still have underrepresented groups um, coming through that needs support. But um, at the end of the day, we still have, uh, you know, over 50 percent women in the legal profession. Um, So we cannot um, say diversity, gender equality and all these very important topics are 
um, not remaining, you know, important uh, for the professionals that are working um, in legal at the moment. So we should address their concerns um, just because there's a huge global pandemic. It doesn't mean that individuals are not facing the same um, concerns around their career progression uh, and what place equality, diversity and inclusion um, play um, in, in the future of the profession. So very much the same topics playing out long term um, as they were in the past. And I, I think that's completely, completely right, Dana. And, uh, and also there's, um, there's a lot of evidence about correlation with innovation as, as well. Mm. So the most diverse law firms, legal businesses, professional services um, are, I think this is a Boston Consulting Group piece of research on this, are the most innovative. And, um, and we're really going to need that creativity, that um, you know, looking at new ways of delivering legal services. So, so you're going to have to have around any decision making table, that diversity of thinking, that diversity of talent. Mm which comes from experience and different backgrounds. So you're absolutely right. It's very important. And what do you both think are the dangers that firms or, or sectors could face if they don't prioritise or continue to prioritise diversity and inclusion in the current crisis? I, I would say, you know, it's obvious. What, what is normally happening in a crisis is that everybody's kind of retrenching and they are facing very, very difficult decisions around um, costs, cash, you know, clients, all these aspects of business. Um, and then we obviously have on the other side of the profession in the criminal um, justice system, other pressures around, you know, funding, lack of funding. Um, so none of the, all of these things are being intensified by the crisis. So it's only normal that as the pandemic set in, there was a kind of shock element and people were mm -hmm. just responding and you know coping to some degree um so it's a very you know it's very difficult to start then designing the future which will probably come in the next month or so um so what we're seeing now is very much what christina said you know the moral compass um compass of of the the behavior of the employers you know owning up to the decisions they made if you have let people go or you furloughed people you communicate to the market you show that you stand by the decisions that you've made and you show courage as a leader, what shape the future of the profession will take is going to come in, you know, and start shaping up later on, I think. But we, you know, we've already seen really positive, um, you know, uh, advancement in the kind of remote trial space. Obviously, there's so many questions that remain unanswered because all of these debates were going on before. But sometimes, you know, the kind of the change tab has turned on so quickly but it yeah. doesn't mean that it will just be forgotten, you know, the water keeps running um, until, you know, we'll all accept it. There will be pushback. There will be things that people disliked, things we've learned. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of the kind of profession, especially on the business side, is looking at how to shore up their businesses and to make them survive the initial shock. Um, and in that, I think we see some really interesting behaviours um, that maybe are, you know, symptomatic of some of the, the things they didn't, you know, really believe and they, they felt maybe diversity was a nice to have rather than really important. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then yeah. we see the ones that actually stand by it. Um, an example being BT that basically made a public statement around, you know, we do actually mean business around this diversity just because there's a crisis. It doesn't mean it's not going to 
play in our mind in the way we engage with our panel firms. But similarly, we haven't had loads of statements um, of the same nature. So we're kind of seeing, you know, purpose and all these big concepts that we all talked about. And, you know, we, Christina and I, in our projects and our work, we're focused on driving. But mm-hmm. we're now seeing, you know, which ones were the sticky uh, supporters and champions and which ones are actually maybe going to prioritise other issues first. I think that's right. I think, you know, when when a crisis hits, we all become very strategic business leaders become very operational. So, yeah. so you know, it's about making sure everybody is safe. Everyone has the kit. They can carry on working. We can carry on servicing um, our, our clients' needs. But the businesses and the, and, and the law firms that are going to do best out of this, those who are turning their minds now to phases two and three. So, so phase two, I guess, is about ensuring that you can embed when people do return to a semblance of more normality, um, the positive changes that were uh, forced upon us in, in some sense uh, because of the crisis. And, and the third is to, to really um, put diversity and inclusion at the heart of, of all business decision making. Um, and, and there's some really fabulous research which supports this. So uh, Deloitte last year did a, a survey of uh, millennials and Gen Zs, and that's pretty much everybody born after 1983. So mm-hmm. the majority of the working population, and they, they looked at professional services. And one of the questions was around diversity and inclusion. And it was pretty interesting and for me, um, confirming statistics. So they said that 63% of a um, huge number of, of people who took part in their research said that they would look to leave their business within two years if they didn't prioritize diversity and inclusion. So I think wow. that sort of that needs to sort of sink in yeah. with business leaders. This isn't just the, doing the right thing. It's actually about doing what your talent require of you in terms of, of, uh, of your business. So, um, so I, I, I use that often because I think it's a really powerful uh, piece of research. It's a huge number, isn't it, Christina? But I think I've heard you say this before, but people will vote with their feet if they don't see their companies and their firms really taking a genuine interest in prioritising DNI. So it's a, it's a hugely powerful stat. And um, where have you both seen best practice and what do you advise in, in, in times like this on DNI and just generally on diversity and inclusion? Perhaps I could talk a little bit about the um, the Women in Leadership in Law project, which um, I was fortunate enough to spearhead as an office holder and, and as president of the Law Society. So that, that involved uh, the largest ever global research around why women weren't getting into leadership positions. Uh, and we undertook 250 roundtables in in 19 countries. So we had a huge um, body of qualitative and quantitative evidence. And um, out of that, we produced three reports. And to to summarise, 
what works from our research is making sure that um, diversity and inclusion is a strategic goal, that it's, it's led from, from the top and, and by way of example. So it has to be those, those business leaders who are uh, responsible and, and accountable for that. Uh, and you've really got to find the ways within the organisation to make those cultural changes. You know, I, I often quote this uh, um, uh, strategy, um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And, you know, you, you can have all the policies you like in place, but mm. actually if those policies aren't taken up, then, um, then they're fairly pointless. Um, I'll, I'll say two other things about um, practice before letting Dana speak and then, and then perhaps talking about some of the practical <laughs> things as well. But um, yeah. one of the key things that we found was the importance of getting men on board. And, um, yeah. you know, there is a huge correlation between um, men and business leaders. So, so yeah. to ensure that um, the men in the organisation really do take responsibility and um, that there are role models in place, men and women and people of colour and people who are not uh, you know, with other protected characteristics or who don't come from the dominant culture. Um, and, and that's really, really important for people in organisations to, to believe that people like them are wanted and can succeed. Yeah. So from, from my end, I wouldn't say I've seen um, great best practice at play during the pandemic around, you know, coming out mm -hmm. and making very clear statements around how important it is to keep the profession open to a diverse population that aspires to be in the legal profession. I'm quite worried about the generation coming behind because you we're hearing about, you know, cuts in internships, cuts in trainee places. Yeah. So, you know, what is that new generation coming through that had aspiration and maybe they were going to be the drivers for change? Uh, what will be there for them um, in terms of, you know, uh, job opportunity and job security? Um, so I would say there's been a little bit of, you know, positive um, noise making, as I said, you know, BT, for example, on the business side. But generally speaking, I think some of the law firms that have done well are the ones that kind of became, you know, social heroes as well. You know, they were thinking mm -hmm. about domestic violence and the rise of it. And they were putting resources um, and, you know, fundraisers towards helping in the moment, but a diverse group of people that they knew would go unaided. Um, so I think we're seeing pockets of good social consciousness, but I'm not seeing strong business decisions um, or, you know, public statements. And that's to some degree why we, are on, with my kind of female founder hat, we've put together a whole open letter to the GC community saying, as you are mm. lining up your new supplier base, are you thinking about diversity as a you know, strategic um, must-have in the supply chain or will you go back to buying in the old ways, um, which is always the easiest thing to do, especially when, say, law firms will be you know, presenting you with free resources, free people, free this and that, because they're trying to find their own way around um, you know, a drop in sales, for example, or matter numbers, which are things that everybody has reported. So we know there's been a lack of demand for legal services. 
Um, and in that kind of moment, everybody's retreating to make sure they shore up what they can service. And then very often, you know, we don't have yet stats out and we're carrying out a survey uh, at the moment. But what I've seen on the female yeah. founder community where I, I have surveyed and the findings that are in, um, there were clear, um, you know, signs of a contracting market that was impacting them maybe disproportionately compared to other stats on mm. the market. And they were very heavily uh, impacted by having childcare um, needs at home much more than um, the market trend. So basically women that are running the businesses are also running their homes, trying to keep it all together. And nobody's really putting a word in saying, hats off, you really are keeping the world going, you know? So I think it's, <laughs> it's a real pressure because, you know, this is a moment to say, what about childcare? We can't really return to work without proper childcare. Um, so, yeah. and if the women we know are lifting the childcare weight at the moment, then what does it mean? Will we end up with maybe, you know, uh, women being impacted more by layoffs, by all these kind of consequences that are economic um, because they can't actually, uh, you know, work and uh, look after their kids all at the same time? Yeah, yeah, that's the sad thing. There could be regression where, you know, it's that it's what's come up in the research, hasn't it, Christina? Women, uh, there's a huge attrition because of childcare issues or other care issues and the last we want to see is a further reduction in some talented women leaving law oh yeah and um first of all hats off to to dana who always shows the most in incredibly inspiring leadership in this area to target yeah. gcs um is is a really sensible thing to do because you know, the power of the client to be the driver of positive change um in external law firms as as well as within their their own businesses is 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 really important so so well done for that and certainly what i have um seen and heard uh, in in relation to particularly homeschooling as as well as um child care is that it does seem one of one a colleague of mine said it feels like we've gone back to the 1950s you know, because there are <laughs> yeah, there, women are aren't doing all the heavy lifting in um in circumstances where otherwise they they would have had in place sensible childcare arrangements but they're trying to to juggle and it does seem that most of the burden this is anecdotal but i've heard it time and again most of the burden is is falling to the mothers um there was some interest an interesting article um i read about american academic journals and what was being noted by editors was that the um submissions by female academics over this period had dropped off a cliff but the submissions wow. by male academics had increased <laughs> um so uh, and you know the assumption and and probably correctly was that women were undertaking a lot more childcare whereas for some men not having the responsibilities of teaching etc had enabled them to have the space and time to 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 complete their papers so so i think there's something quite profound here i would um let me be optimistic about it to say that um once we have got over this um this initial phase so let's say when when children are back to school and um and childcare 
um, provision is, is, is available again. Um, mm. there, I think there is a real opportunity which the disruption of the, um, the, the virus has caused. And, and, and often any, anything which disrupts the norm is good for those who are, are not the Slow incumbents. Change. Well, the, the yeah. people who are not, uh, you know, who are not part of the dominant culture. And so yeah. uh, particularly, I would say, around issues that uh, badly impact women, such as um, a culture of presenteeism in, in yeah. a business, which, um, which is still very strong in law. Um, we will not, I hope, be reverting um, to the sort of... Um, the ways that we have been behaving, the ways that we have been delivering our services um, post-COVID. And I hope that that will um, bring about more equality of opportunity for um, people who aren't from the dominant culture. So, so this is obviously women, black and minority ethnic lawyers, um, lawyers with disabilities particularly mm. perhaps um, may have greater opportunity um, with a much more flexible and agile um, approach to uh, and, and more choice in terms of working practices. I for sure agree with that, actually, Thank because you. one of the uh, most recent um, uh, projects that we started actually was one of our disabled lawyers that before was always required to travel a lot um, because he has mobility issues. Yeah. Um, whereas this time we had absolutely no problem, you know, literally um, getting, you know, uh, the go ahead from one day to another. Um, so it's definitely this kind of remote working is still to, uh, here to stay. Um, I think for mm -hmm. sure everybody's shown an ability to switch on the systems. Um, yeah. I do think that the way we work today is not the way it's normally done. Um, and so communicating <laughs> the true benefits and the true productivity messages is really critical to making a sustainable switch. Um, because for every optimist like Christina, there'll be a few that will mm -hmm. be, um, you know, the kind of champions of the past ways of doing things, especially if they show some kind of profitable um, you know, outcome and, um, you know, it's about how we make sure the right messages are heard and the right positive outcomes of what we've learned through this crisis come through. Yeah. Uh, but for sure, the profession yeah. remains, you know, majority female on the solicitor side. So that's not going to go away um, overnight, even with a huge contraction in the number of people practicing. So we still have time mm. to reshape it to work for everybody that wants to be a lawyer, not just for some. I completely yeah. agree. I don't, there is no room for complacency just because people have operated in a different way um, out of adversity for uh, a few weeks or even months doesn't mean that they will in immediately revert to old behaviours um, that have seen them through maybe, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of career. So, so it, the, the, um, the challenge and the opportunity will be about embedding those positive changes so that they become mm. part of the ongoing culture, which um, hopefully it's, you know, none of this is, is um, gender specific. It's, it's about liberating everybody from being chained to <laughs> the office. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yes yeah and um, what initiatives are you both supporting at present and are there things that our listeners can can get involved with as well so I, we've been quite busy, um, um, not submitting lots of papers, but uh, creative nonetheless. Um, so, you know, the first 100 years has a survey out at the moment to look at the impact on women yeah. across all, uh, all the professions within law um, and it's international to see what we're learning. Um, based on yeah. the kind of very initial findings, I think we've had about 700 responses already. And it's closing uh, Friday. Um, it, we're getting quite a lot of detailed um, commentary from women that really seem to be struggling with juggling it all. Um, so that should be quite interesting mm -hmm. to research and go in, into it in more detail. Um, so that's on, on the one side. Obviously, all the findings will be announced. Um we just before, and or actually the crisis had already set off um, around the world, but we had our Face the Future photo campaign. Um, and we're looking into yeah, expanding that project and, um, you know, creating, well, other formats. I won't be telling you too much um, now, but looking at, you know, reflecting of the time before and after. Um, because it's such a moment in time mm. when by going around the world, the world was starting to be engulfed in this whole um, pandemic and we didn't really know what it meant but we wanted to capture that moment um, and it would be nice to look at the world today but reflecting back because we always like to do that learning from the past to change the yeah. future we always say um, and obviously <laughs> on the business side I have been very focused on making sure that the profession keeps innovation and thinking ahead and future-proof itself um, really front of mind because it's so easy now to just cut and cut and cut and really use that word you know and make sure that we're not starting to if you like cut our own horizon scanning and uh, trap ourselves into yeah. some really limited um, uh, well courses of action really um, without actually meaning it um, because I, I do think change was very much coming and, it, you know, the hearts of the profession were turning all in the right, a little bit like sunflowers, all facing the right way. But we didn't quite get to embed that change and it would be a shame to let it go. So keeping it with okay, us and yeah. making sure we drag it along um, remains a priority. Uh, but thinking of the ecosystem as that change ecosystem, all that wonderful innovation. You know, Christina, you were involved with the, you know, co-op team, remember? Yeah. Um, uh, yes, and yes. And all those things that we were literally championing in 2011, 2012, when, you know, alternatives and new ways of doing things and new ways of servicing, um, you know, even working from home were such innovations. Um, and so actually taking all of these things that we've learned over 10 years um, of transformation and really making that massive leap of change uh, that we've all wanted and be yeah. kind of we've champions but it would be great to make that massive you know turn and see it happen I, yeah I, I I I do agree with that and and particularly I think just to pick up on a couple of things around the the correlation between innovation and, and diversity and inclusion and certainly from the work that I do with law firms and legal businesses um, you know, these are my two two passions that so it's not surprising <laughs> that I see this but certainly the firms that were best placed and and who have weathered this current crisis the best were those who were better prepared for it and um and I do think that those those two prongs of being innovative 
and having diversity and inclusion at the very heart of everything that you do will set you up as a business for um, the, the 2020s and and beyond. Um, in, in relation to things that um, listeners might be interested in, of course, um, as you are, Amandi, I'm a member of the um, Women Lawyers Division Committee and I represent some on the council. Um, and, you know, we are, this is a great, this is Amandi's um, personal mission <laughs> these podcasts so i hope that everybody, you know, everybody should be applauding her for making these happen but um the purpose a, a, a key initiative at present is to reach out and engage with as many women in the profession as as we possibly can so we're going to be doing this through a whole range of activities um, many of them digital and, and social. So we, we hope to be able to, to, to reach out to you and that you will respond and get involved with a whole range of projects that we have up and running. And one of the ones that I'm really keen on and involved in is about reinvigorating and, and breathing new life and new energy into the Women in Law Pledge, which we launched last June. We've got um, a good range of excellent signatories that I am desperate now to um, to get as many <laughs> as many as we can additional legal businesses yeah. and law firms to sign up because if everybody committed to the actions on the pledge, it would shift the dial dramatically in favour of gender balance and gender equality in, in our profession. Um, so anybody who's listening, please think about um, if, you're, if you're the decision maker, just do it. Um, if you're not, then please look to influence the positive change in your own organisation. Um, you know, we can all be influencers and activists in this area. Brilliant. Thank you, Christina. And anything else from either of you before we wrap up this week's podcast? Well, one um, thing that I would say is that um, our first 100 years has now launched into the next 100 years um, a chapter of the project. And um, it's very much focused on the present and the future. And uh, you might have picked up that Lady Hale has agreed to be our patron. And so we're very much bridging yes, the past fantastic. with the future. And again, uh, we're looking for ideas and things that people feel need to be addressed um, by a task force that we are putting together for later this year. Um, so we want something that's palpable that can actually fit in with all the other initiatives to really look and look into the data, to be honest, because there isn't enough gender data as we've seen with all other aspects of society part of this crisis from you know medical equipment and all these other things trying to track the numbers of women and make yeah. sure we understand what's important to them and then use that information for change um so you know we strengthen our case for not just diversity inclusion but just for better business knowledge and sense and outcomes I, yeah, and um, I'd say to to the women listening, stay strong. I've heard from many women about how incredibly challenging this this time has been, but um, use every opportunity that you have to to to, to get together 
and to work out how when you are back in business, um, how you are going to embed and affect those positive changes and, you know, feel your power in that um, and, and look to, to make a real difference for in your own business, but actually for all of us. For sure. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dana and Christina, thank you for sharing and being so open about your experience, um, good and bad, Mm -hmm. when it comes to diversity and inclusion and sharing some really helpful tips to our listeners and members about ways of getting involved. Please do support um, the First 100 Years survey if you haven't already done so. We've got it on our Women Lawyers Division page on Twitter. And please do also support the pledge. Get in touch with us at the Law Society if you need any more information on this. We've got great practical guides and toolkits to support you implement it at your firms. Thank you both again. I will um, edit edit this now, I suppose. A huge thank you to Dana Dennis-Smith and Christina Blacklaws for joining us for this evening's podcast. I really enjoyed listening to their experiences and their thoughts on diversity and inclusion during the COVID crisis and beyond. I hope that you found it helpful and there are takeaways for each of you in relation to how we can take some of the positives messaging from the COVID crisis to help ensure that there is greater equality and diversity for all. If you'd like any more information about the First 100 Years Project founded by Dana, then please visit their website, which is first100years.org.uk. And if you'd like any further information in relation to the Women in Law Pledge, please do visit us on the lawsociety.org.uk website, where we have plenty of helpful guidance to assist you in being able to influence change at your business. For now, It's going to be a bye from me and we look forward to bringing another podcast to you in the next couple of weeks. Thanks very much. Bye.